My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. The hollow earth, UFOs, aliens invading, fluoride in the water, they spray our skies daily. When I talk about these things, they think I'm crazy. There's no escaping anymore, the evil that we're facing. Illuminati mind control, they're sacrificing babies. The end of days, but anyways, my family thinks I'm crazy. What, they don't want to listen to you? No, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They're just like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again <laughs> with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, tell your whole podcast. Yeah, so who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Mystic Mark, your host, and before we get started, I just want to send a little message to all of our supporters. Thank you so much for doing so, and for everyone who has yet to support, please do so. We need it more than ever. Sign up on Patreon, Substack, or send us a one-time donation. Sign up on Rockfin, and not only will you get bonus content, but you're going to get an exclusive extended edition of the podcast, uh, exclusive bonus portions of interviews like today's conversation, which goes into some really, really dark realms. So listener discretion is advised. If you want to support the show and hear the full conversation, please do sign up on Patreon or Substack. That's where you get the bonus rss feed that you can use wherever you listen to podcasts and if you prefer to listen on spotify you're in luck patreon now partners with spotify so i'm going to make it available for you guys to support the show directly through spotify and you get access to the bonus feed with the extended editions of each episode all there plus bonus shows that i do with guests like Juan Ayala, host of his own podcast, and many other great individuals who you've come to know and love here on your favorite podcast, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. So thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get on with the intro to this episode of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. Today, I speak with a woman who's undergone tremendous duress, extended psychological manipulation and abuse, all at the hands of her own family and community. Our guest tells us how she struggled to free herself from occulted chains and unlock a path to a higher power. Now, Teresa Atya stands and overcomes the tremendous trauma endured in this Mormon cult she was raised in. What you're about to hear is a first-hand account of a lifetime struggle against evil, satanic, Illuminati Mormons. Listener discretion is advised.
This was planned for I don't know how long before because there had been signs of, I, I can look back and see now, like, because they do manipulative suggestions in order to get you to, because in Mormonism, the whole plan of salvation is that free will and the whole reason Satan and Jesus fought in the pre-existence was that we would have free will and we could come down and choose. And so they want to make it look like they're honoring your free will and that you choose everything when really they're handling and plotting your entire life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And with me today is a very special guest, and we are in for a treat. Today's guest is an ex-Mormon who grew up in an elite Freemason bloodline. And that's all I'll say for now, because I'm going to let Charissa <laughs> take it away from here and fill us in. Charissa, welcome to the show. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of a background you know, how do you find yourself into this world of crazy folks like I talking on podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so when I was young, my mom always talked about the Illuminati and it was kind of a taboo topic for Mormons. And so it was kind of odd for her to talk about that a lot, but she was very interested in it in regards to the government and Hollywood and being Mormon, you know, uber religious. It, it was really interesting to have that going on because a lot of people within Mormonism don't talk about that kind of stuff. And I realized why down the road, because Mormonism essentially is one of the five branches of the Illuminati. And the Illuminati branches are the, the Freemasons, the Mormons, the Catholics, the Cabal, and the Satanists. And they all basically function together to run the human trafficking in the world because they all worship these false gods and these gods require blood and children and incest. And it stems essentially from the Nephilim in the Bible. And in Mormonism, the Book of Mormon, the main prophet in Mormonism, his name is Nephi. And if, you know, you look at the word Nephi and the word Nephilim, the first several letters of the word Nephilim is Nephi. And so I discovered just recently down, I'm kind of starting at the end because it makes the story easier to understand why, you know, I ended up where I did. But the Book of Mormon is essentially a channeled book from fallen angels and going all the way back to the first incursion in the Bible when the Nephilim or when the fallen angels came down against God's will and started creating children with women, human women, which they was an illegal, you know, they, they broke God's law by doing that, which was why there ended up being the flood because the human genome was defiled. And so you end up with all of these hybrid beings who were giants and there wasn't, you know, enough food to feed them. So they started eating humans and because they broke God's law, you know, and then they were in rebellion, then they become these rebellious spirits. And so not only are they eating humans just to satisfy their food needs, but they're participating in incest and ritual abuse. And they started there. The fallen angels were the ones who taught humanity 
all of the things that are against God's laws in the Bible, you know, like divination and all, well, all of the occultic teachings and all of the things that the occult arts and the Satanists participate in when it comes to blood ritual and all of those things, that all, that knowledge all came from the fallen angels, which started in the garden of Eden with Eve when she partook of the fruit from the serpent. And so that's where, you know, you get this serpent seed, you get the Nephilim and the Mormons are actually a huge part of that. And Mormonism was actually created by Joseph Smith, who I believe I've been hearing more and more lately, and it's starting to be revealed to me and become more clearly who he really is. I've heard he's a descendant of that. He was a, oh, what's their name? The Rothschild, that he was a Rothschild, that he was related to, oh, somebody just emailed me this week and told me that he was adopted, that there's a whole book that him and his brother were actually adopted into a family, which is really common in the Illuminati bloodlines because they hide their elite children in other families to do certain jobs that they assign them to do. And so... Anyway, Joseph Smith has a long, dark, shady history that I heard about often as a child growing up as a Mormon, but I didn't really know or understand. I hadn't looked too deeply into it because when you're Mormon, especially I come from pioneer heritage, which means going back several generations. You know, I had ancestry who came over to join the church with Joseph Smith. And so you don't really question, you know, and so... My But my mom had taught me all of these things about the world at large, about the Illuminati, you know, in these different areas. But what I didn't understand is that the more that Mormonism, the reason she knew about this stuff and was interested in it and wanted to talk to me about it is because my family was actually a bloodline in the Illuminati, in the occult practices that hides not necessarily I don't a lot of people say that the Mormon church was infiltrated. A lot of people say there's imposters. I say it's from its inception. It's a serpent religion. It's a Nephilim religion. And it's based on teachings from the fallen angels. And it does have truth in it because they take in a lot of things that are out of the Bible and put them in the Book of Mormon. And a lot of people go, oh, I don't understand how you could ever be a part of that religion, you know. But the interesting thing is I really do feel like Mormonism compared to a lot of the Christian religions has a massive amount of truth and also some of the stuff that is truth that's in more new age and occult stuff that's tainted and twisted. Mormons have some of that too, because it's run by Freemasons and they have these other pieces of the puzzle as well that a lot of other Christians stay away from, but the Mormons kind of keep them hidden in the background. They don't because in secret, the elite Mormons practice magic and satanic ritual And so there's this whole other aspect that I was learning about myself, having no idea that it had anything to do with my own family, just understanding that I was starting to realize going all the way up to the hierarchy of the Mormon church, which would be the prophets, the general authorities, the bishops and the stake presidents that run the religion have to be, they're required to be Freemasons in order to be called to those positions. Those are callings. And so my dad was a bishop. My brother was a bishop. My sister was always telling me that my brothers were Freemasons. And I didn't really know or believe her. I just thought that was a term she used because in the Mormon temple, there's all of these different signs of Freemasonry that exist in the Mormon temple. And I had gone to the temple 
there's a bunch of different ceremonies and rituals that you do in the Mormon temple. The first one that you do is you take out your own endowments, which is an initiatory. They call it initiatory, which is similar to a Freemason initiation. But Joseph Smith stole the rights of Freemasonry and their rituals and put them into the Mormon temple, which is why he ended up being murdered. They call him a martyr, but he was not. He was murdered by his Freemason brothers for stealing and religionizing their rituals and their ceremonies and making his own. So essentially what Mormonism is, is an elite branch of Freemasonry that kind of functions in its own right. There are some, you know, Mormons that are in the Illuminati that also do, you know, regular Freemasonry, but for the most part, they just use their temples and function on their own, but it's still Freemasonry. So on the Mormon garment, which a lot of people call, I don't know if you've ever heard of the magic underwear that Mormons wear, but when you go to the temple and do your initiatories, they wash and anoint you and they give you a garment to wear And these garments on the nipples have a compass and a square on them. So essentially in Mormonism, you're initiated into the rites of Freemasonry. And in the temple, you're taught exactness. And exactness is not biblical because the biblical teaching of Christianity is mercy and grace that Jesus Christ hung on the cross for you, right? And so that you're saved by grace. And in Mormonism, they teach you that you wear this garment every day to live in exactness, which is really to antichrist. And so there's a lot of Christians don't realize Mormons claim that they're Christians, but it's actually antichrist. If you know what the Bible teaches, Mormonism is an antichrist religion because it was started with intent to deceive by Freemasons. So I don't know if, you know, what your audience knows about Freemasonry, but One of the things that I talk about a lot in what I discovered, and I was even, I was sharing this with my brother and his friends who I found out later are Freemasons and are involved in these types of rituals, is that the biggest kept secret Freemasonry is that their mysticism and the illumination of the third eye happens through sodomy rituals. So they're sodomites at not always at the lowest levels, but I I don't know exactly which I can't wait for one of the Freemasons to come out who's left and tell me (laughs) what level it actually starts at. But if you're born into it generationally, it doesn't matter because generationally they start sodomizing the children when they're babies to blow the third eye open. And that's one of the things that's tricky about, you know, in new age and occult topics and discussion of the third eye being opened. You know, I used I I went into kind of indigenous studies for a while and was doing you know, indigenous ceremonies and things like that when I left the Mormon church. And so I studied a lot about opening my third eye. I did a lot of different meditations to try to do it. I never was able to get there. I do have visionary gifts now and gifts, spiritual gifts of dreaming. I'm a dream interpreter and I do have visions, but the shortcut way in the occult and in Freemasonry is sodomy and they start with their children. And so they do this to their babies when they're born. And so if this is a generational bloodline, then it doesn't matter, you know, if you're initiated in as a man and you get invited in and you go through the levels on your own, then that might be a surprise later. They don't always, they don't tell you that you're going to advance to the level where your next (laughs) initiation is going to be a sodomy ritual. And so it, it made sense because looking back when I was, there was a lot of sexual abuse with the children 
And among the children, there was a lot of sexual exploitation and sexualization. And so growing up when I was young, all the kids in the neighborhood were like being sexual with each other. Like there was a lot of children on children sexuality, which I assumed growing up that was normal and just experimental play. But come to find out it's something that's done within these Mormon elite bloodlines is they teach the children how to be sexual from infancy. And then a lot of them, like for with me, I was deemed expendable and I'll go into more of that in a little bit. But so I wasn't taken to rituals and things like that and included in certain secrets that my family has because I was deemed expendable. And so that meant that I was sexualized up to maybe six-ish. They, they know when you can start remembering and they know that up to a certain age, usually your mind will split and block those memories out. But I just found myself as a child incredibly sexual and sexualized within the neighborhood and thinking that I had figured those things out on my own. But I, I didn't know the origin of where those things came from. And so just kind of holding on to that, I'll come back to that. But what happened when I had moved back to Utah, I had gotten divorced and I was living around my family and I hadn't lived around my family for like 13 years. And my ex-husband told me, that he was demanding that I live in Davis County, which is where I grew up. And come to find out later, that's because Mormon boundaries of their wards, they have certain, you know, they have, you have to go to a certain church in a certain neighborhood. It's done by boundaries. And so the wards are set up that there is 13 witchcraft coven families within every ward of Mormonism in the Illuminati hidden in secret that helps keep everybody in Mormonism under a spell, under mind control. And these witches covens, these elite bloodline families make sure it happens. They report back if somebody's defecting, you know, if somebody's learning too much or realizing what's going on, they you get reported. And then they make sure that there's something that they set up to have an experience for you to be able to put back into mind control programming. And there's a lot of different things that they use within Mormonism. They use drugs, they use dentistry, they use magic. I can't take pharmaceuticals. I've always been extremely sensitive. So for me, there was a lot of witchcraft and magic done on me to keep my mind under a spell. So I wasn't able to recognize a lot of the things that happened around me that were going on growing up. I I just, I really, what was happening is I wasn't putting two and two together. There was a lot of weird stuff going on, but you just kind of go move on, you know, and don't really process it. And so my, when I moved back to Utah, I had really started getting deep into, because I had left Mormonism shortly before I got divorced. I started getting out and just realizing there was other things spiritually that I wanted to do. And I didn't have like a bad taste in my mouth for it yet. And I was even still kind of an apologist for Joseph Smith when I first left. But As I started getting further away from it, you know, I started really questioning what is Freemasonry and why does everybody talk about, you know, what this is part of a Mormonism. And I'd never even really considered, I mean, I wear these compass and squares on my nipples every day, you know, like what does that mean? So I really got into studying what Freemasonry is and I was talking to my brother about it a lot at the time and my sister And they both are involved in my family secrets. So they would play dumb, you know, and act like they didn't know the things that I was learning already, but they did. 
but also like my sister, for instance, I don't think my brother's so much DID. The men don't get us programmed. The men are like more conscious of what they're doing in Freemasonry. But a lot of the women are, do you, are you familiar with DID? Do you know what that is? Dissociative identity disorder? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the women in Mormonism are going to have that disorder. So they may have like alters in their personality that are like a witch or their child alter or, you know, their business person. And so they may not fully understand what they're doing and what's going on around them. And I started noticing this with my sister. It was very odd. And like I said, I still hadn't put two and two together. I was making observations, but I wasn't able to come to any conclusions of what it meant. And so I was studying all of these things. And I actually came to the conclusion that all the way up to the higher echelons of Mormonism, that they were involved in child satanic ritual, blood ritual, you know, partaking of flesh, like pedophilia, just all of this was rampant in the highest echelons of the Mormon church. And I had started meeting a lot of people who were sexually abused when they were younger by their family members who were Freemasons. And so I really started understanding like the ugly secrets behind Freemasonry and Mormonism. And so I was planning to start a podcast and I was going to start talking about these things and interviewing people and not just those things, you know, I plan on talking about music and a lot of other things, but my brother was aware and he was, you know, reporting back to my family because that's what these Mormon elite bloodlines do is anything you ever do is like a group discussion. And so they were acting like they were supporting it. And even like when I first found out that Freemasonry was based in ritual sodomy, I told my brother this and my brother like looked at me and he shook his head and he's like, wow, you're really good at figuring this stuff out. Like he already knew, you know, like I, I, I did, it didn't occur to me then that's what he was telling me. He already knew. And he was frustrated that I was figuring out all their secrets. So he was just kind of like, there was a lot of those Freudian slip moments where the reaction of the conversations with my family came back to me in, in force. And so I was just starting to feel when I got divorced, even though I was divorced and I was looking forward to this freedom because I was just a young mother and my ex-husband was incredibly controlling, incredibly angry person and not loving at all. It was a pretty miserable marriage. And so I was really looking forward to freedom, you know, and just experiencing myself and finding loving people because I hadn't experienced that. He'd taken me away from my family and all my friends for 13 years. And so I just really wanted to integrate back into like some fun and some love and some life. And so I found, you know, the shamanic community and I started studying shamanism. And so as I was going down that path, I started really realizing the oppression of the government in these indigenous circles and the control. And so I was started studying, you know, maritime law and land law in these different jurisdictions within the government. And so I had tried to move my jurisdiction from maritime into land. I had been doing a lot of studying of this judge whose name was Anne, Anna Von Reitz. And she was an ex-judge who taught about how our judicial system is actually satanic, the entire ju judicial system. It's why they wear robes. It's why they kneel at the bar. They're worshiping a worshipful master. It's, you know, why the same graduation 
thing that you wear with the tassel on it that, you know, you move to the other side when you graduate, that's done in the Mormon temple. How weird is that? That in the Mormon temple, the men actually wear these hats that are kind of like a graduation cap and they have a tassel on it and they move it to the other side partway through the ceremony. That's done in high school graduations. That's these types of things and the robes that are, that they wear at these judges. It's all part of the same secret occult satanic system, which I now call the beast system. It's they're part of the beast. And so it's set up in every organization. And, you know, she's talking about finances and freedoms and everything that's run by this beast system. So supposedly what was going on was that you were going to be able to move your jurisdiction from maritime into land. And essentially, if the police pull you over, you could just tell them you don't have any jurisdiction over me. You have different plates. You have a different ID. And so I attempted to move forward with that. But I had also been studying sovereignty a little bit. And it hit me one day that I really just needed to declare sovereignty after I'd gone through this process. But my mom was on to me because I asked my mom and my sister to come to the bank with me to, I had to have, you had to have a witness saying that you were who you were when I was going through the paperwork process of moving my jurisdiction from maritime into land. And my mom had come to the bank with me and knew what I was doing. And so they always knew what I was doing. And there was something weird going on there. And she was very her behavior was very strange. And I look back now and I realize she was worried. Like, what is she going to do if she actually, you know, gets set free? Because I didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes as my family was handling and controlling my whole life because I was learning too much. And they didn't want me exposing Mormonism for what it was because they're part of this bloodline, you know, um, cult. And so I um, was about to start my podcast and I was like literally days away from, I had a guy like designing my, my, what do you call it? My logo and everything. And all of a sudden one night I was sitting in my office and I just felt like, like the land thing wasn't going to do it. And I had a friend who was, was kind of teaching me about how to, about these different jurisdictions. Cause it's really complicated because it's all done in legalese, you know? And so once I figured out that really what I needed to do to feel free was to, do so do sovereignty and she had told me there was this whole paperwork process and you mail it into the government and it was really weird because there was this whole thing that you were supposed to do you like mail it to yourself but it goes through the post office and somehow when it comes back to you then it and I had written an energy healing method years before while I was still Mormon that was kind of taboo while I was Mormon it was called spirit code and I taught how to illuminate spiritual gifts not through sodomy through using the name of Jesus Christ and so I understood in that creation and that writing experience, I got a lot of downloads through that and understanding of what it is to create something and these different spiritual gifts and abilities. And so I knew also through that writing process that, and through discovering how corrupt the government was, that why would I write sovereignty papers and submit them to the government? Who are the Satanists running everything and let them know that I was declaring myself sovereign? That was just going to put a big red flag, you know, on me. And so I was like, I don't need to do that. And I also had an understanding that before everything is physical, everything is spiritual. Life is spiritual. And you have to look at things from a spiritual aspect before you can understand the physical aspect. And so I just was like, I'm just going to write the papers and do it myself and give them to God, you know, do it with God. I don't need to 
do this through any government or mailing it to myself. So I got a black marker and I just scribbled out these papers of sovereignty. And also through this energy healing program that I had written, I had also learned a lot about what I now, I didn't know about it then because I wasn't like a a biblical Christian. I was Mormon and they don't teach you about deliverance really in Mormonism. But I had learned about rebuking evil spirits. And I also am a generational healer. So I knew about breaking generational curses. And so in these papers of sovereignty, I essentially wrote and broke a whole bunch of generational curses. And because I declared sovereignty and denounced a bunch of generational curses, it cut me off literally in the spiritual from the jurisdiction that my family had over me, that the enemy had over me in order to control and handle my entire life and to have these magic spells over my mind where I couldn't see and realize and recognize what was going on around me. So when that broke, I wake up the next day and literally it was crazy. My, my mind started pinging a million miles a minute. Things my family's family had been doing and saying to me for years, putting it all together and realizing who they were and that I'm living in this house that my brother had talked me into moving into, that he was coming over and like coming in my house and getting my mail when I was gone, just really weird stuff. My sister had been like, saying random things to me that I had written in poetry that I had in my computer. She would like say a line from my po my poem. And it, I was like, well, that's weird. But I just thought it was psychic. Oh, she read my mind. I used to think about things like that. But then I realized like, no, like they're not that gifted. Like they're into all my stuff. They're spying on me, you know? And so I found a book of my sisters that was like a whole bunch of magic spells that she was writing and she was doing witchcraft and and magic against me and my children. She had a handler herself that was like hanging out on the property who had broken her toe, which was why I let her move in with me and stay in my RV. And he showed up at my property that day that things broke. And there was just all this weird stuff going on and I could feel it. it. It wasn't even just like I knew it. All of the sudden, like the spirit realm opened up to me and all of this nasty, like pedophilia, bestiality, Freemason sodomy, all that stuff, like I could feel in my spirit, like it shattered something. It shattered like this lamb's wool that was over me and the numbness of feeling actually by the grace of God, like we live with that. And this is, we live with a protective of not knowing which is why I believe, you know, in the Garden of Eden, when Eve was told, you don't want to partake of this fruit, you will surely die. Like, gnosis is really dangerous, actually, because when you get to a point of knowing so much and the ones in the spirit realm that control this knowledge and information, who are the ones who have disseminated it, they're not happy. And, you know, the unknowing of a lot of the ugly things that are happening in this world. It's one thing to know them. You know, there's a lot of people who are like truthers who are doing a podcast now who are talking about all of this stuff. And one of the things that really frightens me for them is like, what happens when you get to a point where you know too much and now you become a danger to yourself because the beast system finds out, you know, what you're doing and a day's going to come where if you don't do what they say, if you don't obey martial law, if you don't get the jab, if you don't, you know, it's going to become so controlled that if you don't fall into line, that you're going to have a big scare and see some things and feel some things and know some things that you're not going to understand. 
And I also know that there's a time come, you know, we're going to see there's, we got shapeshifters, we got hybrids, we got all these people on the earth who are remaining hidden and it's going to start coming out. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to freak out when they realize that this stuff isn't just something fun to talk about, but that it's real and that it's happening in our immediate environment with probably more people than you would ever realize that everybody knows personally in their own personal life. Mm. Like for instance, in the Bible, it says the whole reason that God flooded the earth was because of the human genome had been defiled because you had the hybrids who were half human, half angel. You have the hybrids who they started mixing animal seed with human seed, which is where you get all the Egyptian hieroglyphs, you know, where you have a part animal, part human and all these statues in Egypt. And they were all the Egyptian stuff was black magic or white magic. And Egypt in the Bible was always being condemned because of all of these practices, you know, and people are pushing and raising these things up, but they're illegal access to these powers, illegal access to these abilities. And so when people realize really what's going on all around them, not just to a point of like, oh yeah, I know that I believe that, but like seeing it for yourself, experiencing it for yourself, feeling it, having it, become so normal like that people are just like out in the public doing these horrific things it's going to traumatize people you know it's going to be incredibly traumatizing and that's what I went through was the trauma of the reality of all of that showing up in my face literally it was like God was like okay well so you want to be sovereign and so you want to break your family's generational curses and I'm going to show you who they are then And I'm not only going to show you who they are, I'm going to show you all their affiliations. And it was like I went on a week's journey when I left my house that day with my kids of that veil being pulled back. And I even, I turned off my phone. I had no idea where I was going. And it was like, I was being led by spirit to all of these random locations where there was just abominations on the earth playing out and happening. And I could feel it. And so, um, you know, I went to stay at a hotel. I heard pedophilia happening upstairs. That was traumatizing. My brother was following me. He was on my tail. I saw him enter the hotel room across the hallway with his family with coats and masks on in the middle of the night. I could hear and feel satanic rituals happening in that hotel. We tried to go hike one night up to these hot springs that were my favorite hot springs. It was so weird. There was these penis stamps all the way up the mountain. Like, It was like, you know, those walking sticks. It was like somebody took a walking stick and made like a big mold of a cock and balls (laughs) on the staff. And the whole way up the mountain, it was just like a footprint. Yeah. yeah, The whole way up. And I was and I kept feeling like, do they know that I'm going up here? And are they having like a sodomy ritual at the hot springs tonight? And they're letting me like it was so weird. But I was because this veil had been removed, I was receiving all of these downloads and just information, you know, and we got halfway up the mountain and my daughter was like, we got to turn around. There was this really icy spot and I didn't buy enough of the, the things that you put on your shoe when you have to walk on ice and they were scared. So we just turned around and went back and I slept in my truck for a week. I couldn't stay at a hotel anymore after I heard like pedophilia. They, they were talking about ordering a pizza. I heard this guy that I heard a child choking you know, and the guy said, well, if you learn to take it like a good girl, I mean, the floor was so thin and this place was run by FLDS, which is the, oh gosh, what is that word? Fun, fun, fundamentalist Mormons. I forget what that F stands for. It's 
the thing about Joseph Smith and the Mormon religion is Joseph Smith didn't start just Mormonism. Joseph Smith started a whole bunch of religions. I think they're up to like 200 different branches now. Mm. A lot of people who leave Mormonism go and start their own religion. So you've got the fundamentalist Mormons. You've got the mainstream Mormon, which has over like 16 million members right now. And then you've got the RLDS, which I think is back in Missouri. And they have their own church. And they're all weird weird right. stuff going on, you know? Right. And it and, is, I just looked it up. It's the fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So yeah, absolutely. Right. And yeah, it, it's startling, especially when you go far enough back and you realize at one point in American history, the Mormons tried to start their own colony called Deseret and it stretched all the way from Canada to Mexico. I mean, this was a huge swath of land. And there's still tons of Mormons in Mexico. And I imagine the rule breaking or the rules are a lot more lenient down there than they are here. But wow, that is some really disturbing, disturbing stuff. It seems like the modicum of control really rests in traumatizing the early or the children of the Mormon church. And as you said earlier, creating these altars in women bringing these men into this sort of patriarchal control structure where, you know, they're now kind of imbued with this abusive archetype, this, I would call it like, you know, a negative archetype of the fatherly role. It's like an inversion of what the father, the grandfather, the patriarch of a community is supposed to do. It's just really disturbing. Now, when it comes to Joseph Smith, there's a lot of interesting like aspects to his story you know finding so-called golden tablets in mounds and there's been a lot of research coming out and dozens of books about how we found all these giant skeletons in these mounds we know what those might be nephilim mm -hmm. and then the subsequent cover-up which only brings more questions because if this was something that they just outright acknowledge, well, maybe that would indicate that there isn't something being hidden. But the fact that they've thrown all these skeletons away and hid them in basements somewhere, it's like, well, what? why? Why can't we know the truth about this? And maybe it's because these entities are still very much active and in play today and are manipulating systems of society, such as these churches and Wow. It, they, they absolutely are still in play. And that's what the big exposure that I want to put out about Mormonism is what it really is, because it is a Nephilim religion and it is run by a lot of hybrid Nephilim. And they do have access to secret information. The Mormon church has an entire vault, a secret vault. You have to be, a, you know, you have to get permission or be an elite or a somebody or a bloodline relation to joseph smith and so all of the information that's in there and it's really tricky and it, it's sad and it's hard because a lot of people that leave mormonism they spend years going through the mormon doctrines and trying to sort through it all and figure out what the truth is you know and i don't play with that and the reason is because from the early days there's been so much tainting and what's the word where they go back and change something after it was written. What's that called when like a retcon? That's the phrase that's been coming to mind recently, but there's probably a better term for it. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like rewriting yeah. history. 
Yeah, they and they have found that there's been journals that have literally been changed. The stories changed. The true stories that are hidden in there. Some of the people who have had access to those vaults have come out and told the truth, and then they end up in prison or dead. You know, so it's really hard to try to figure out well what's true. It's like a lot of people who still want to be Christian and leave, they're the ones who really hold on to this. And it's so tantalizing the information and because it does include mysticism and um, occultism shrouded as Mormonism, as Christianity, it's really addictive. Like Mormonism is addictive in a really weird way. And so it's really hard for people to leave. And then not only that, you have your 13 coven families who are doing magic spells and witchcraft over you in order to keep you under these illusions and unaware. And so breaking those curses has to be done spiritually. And so a lot of people leave and they can't get out from under the lamb's wool. In Freemasonry, there's a a curse of blindness, of that tying of the blindfold over the eyes in the ceremonies where seeing real and full and whole truth without like the yin and yang truth, without the light and the dark, that's essentially the Freemason floor. That's the black and white checkers, that intermingling of truth and lie. They say light and dark, but it's really just truth and lie. Like in the Mormon temple, Lucifer talks about teaching precepts of men mingled with scripture, which is lies of men mixed with biblical truth and creator's laws. And so it's very confusing and confuses the mind. And then you're trying to figure this all out, which is Gnosis, which is the forbidden fruit that Eve was not supposed to partake of. So I went through years of reading so many books and it's so mental. It's so mental, a lot of this information. And I had to leave the mental behind and go to the spiritual. So I had to reconnect with God and just be able to only hear that voice, you know, because trying to sort through all of this stuff and then all the lies and all the confusion and then the Mormon spinning of truth. And, you know, the reason that they do that is because they're on an intentional mass deceit, because I believe that the Mormon church is set up to hand their followers over to the Antichrist and that they are intentionally participating in this as part of the new world order and let's you know let's get into some of the more esoteric aspects of mormonism because from what i've learned over the past few years going into new england history and the whole you know esoteric mysticism that was going on a lot of people take for granted you know that it wasn't just puritans here in the early days united states there were tons of people practicing religions and things that got banned from europe that's why they came here there was this sense of religious freedom and a lot of cults and sorcerers and probably dark forces took advantage of that and it seems like The Mormons have, as you kind of hinted at earlier, like a veil of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Christians find themselves sort of wrapped up in this, you know, labyrinth of Mormonism, thinking that they're doing something that is ordained by God. But one of the things that I've heard, I wonder if you can expand on this, is that certain groups of Mormons believe that after they pass away, they will become somewhat like a a leader or powerful ruler of some planet elsewhere. That sounds a lot to me like what the Nephilim call themselves, like the principalities yeah. of the different parts of the earth, right? And we have mm-hmm. 
tons of examples of tribal cultures around the world who interact with these spiritual entities and say, oh, yeah, they're not all good. You know, if we don't give them sacrifice, they cause a lot of trouble for us. So clearly, you know, it's not just the Mormons that interact with these beings, but it seems like they're in cahoots with these beings more than any other group. It's exactly right. And what you said is interesting, too, because that is exactly what I believe happened was that Joseph Smith and his family, they were from the UK and they did come over. And I believe that they were sorcerers and witches and they came to hide what they were doing. You know, Joseph got into a lot of trouble doing gold digging and he was accused of being into magic and sorcery. But a lot of people deny that and say that wasn't the case. But he definitely was. And then a lot of his revelations and visions got changed down the road. And who knows how much of that stuff is even came out of his mouth or it came out of Brigham Young's mouth because, and I'm sorry, I got to go back. It wasn't Joseph Smith who was, they said was a Rothschild. It was Brigham Young and Joseph being killed by his Freemason brothers, Brigham Young really wanted to take over the church because it's an elitist religion. And it's very clear because even when, so there's, 12 general authorities, and then there's three at the top of the church. You've got the prophet, and then the first counselor, and the second counselor. And they say that this is set up just like God's kingdom, because the prophet is like God, and then you've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, so they mimic it like a trinity. And then they have the 12 apostles, which were, you know, the ones who were in biblically with Joseph. So that's one of the things why they teach, oh, it's the only true religion, because we have the true pattern that of God's kingdom. And so... Joseph, I I just had to correct that with Brigham Young, but Joseph Smith, I believe he came over here, well, whether it was him or his his family, that they were sorcerers and that they were intentional deceivers and that they were working with Freemasons to deceive and that he saw an opportunity to set up a church and gain power. And I actually have a show on my channel from a guy who had a near-death experience who saw Joseph Smith in hell. And it's really interesting because I go through and treat it like a dream interpretation because I dream interpretation isn't just about dream. It's a gift of reading symbols. And so I was reading all the symbols that he saw in his dream and we break down what he saw there. And so that's fascinating. But so Joseph Smith, what we talk about in that interview is that the reason that he's in hell is because he wanted to be seen, known, powerful, have a following, you know, God to be like God. The whole reason that Lucifer was thrown out of heaven is because he wanted to take over God's throne and he was the first fallen angel. And then he led these other 200 angels away, which were the fallen angels who were the who came down to the earth and slept with women and created the first incursion of Nephilim. So this is where all of the fallen information, all of the Gnosis, all of the occultic teachings that are practiced are brought from this forbidden knowledge from these fallen angels. And it wasn't just Lucifer in the Garden of Eden. It was 200 other angels. And I believe it's still going on today because like it says in the Bible that there were giants in those days and after. And then it says that as it would be in the days of the coming of the son of man, that it would be as it was in the days of Noah, meaning that the human genome would once be defiled again. And if God flooded the entire earth and only left eight people Noah's family left to live because they had a pure seed that most of the earth was going to have defiled genome, which is the the Nephilim hybrid bloodlines, which is where you end up with these shape-shifting serpents and these super psychic, super occultic, incestuous bloodlines like the ones who run the Mormon church who 
are participating in all this nasty crap, you know? And so, you know, it's interesting because the Nephilim in the Mormon church that run everything, they're those elite bloodlines. And and they claim that they're direct descendants of Jesus Christ, but actually they're all direct descendants of Joseph Smith. And they're obsessed with bloodlines, which is why the Mormon church is obsessed with, what's it called? family history and genealogy and because they're looking for, you know, markers on the bloodline. And so then what, what was the other thing you were talking about? You were talking about the, the, the ruling came in, over. Oh, and yeah. So in the early colonial days of the United States, there were tons of different occult groups that flourished here. Dozens of secret societies formed or came over from Europe and, you know, prospered here. But I feel like you did answer that. But there was another aspect to Joseph Smith's yeah, story that fascinated me, which is his interaction with the mounds. And then furthermore, this idea that when you're Mormon, you go on to, you know, have this special place in the afterlife. And I wonder if That's this it. is a part of this like Nephilim trick, like, oh, hey, become yeah. like us. You know, <laughs> we're rulers in, in the afterlife. Meanwhile, they don't tell you they're like trapped in this purgatory realm of suffering. And that's part of why they're tormenting us is yeah. there's jealousy and hatred in where they're trapped. Exactly. And it says in the book of Enoch that they are the disembodied evil spirits are those Nephilim that die, that were drowned in the flood and that they were left here to torment man. And probably because God wanted us to know, like, don't mess with this. They're going to torment you and help you understand. Like, that's one of the ways God allows us to understand the straight and narrow path is to understand the broad path and to be tormented by because that, that's what happened to me when I left my family and went on this journey to get away from them. The torment that I went through is what set me straight and put me on a path of like, oh, I've got to live by God's law, which I was, you know, I mean, there's natural law too, which is do no harm, you know. And so there's a lot of people that don't want anything to do with Jesus because Christianity has been so tainted and live by natural law. And it says in the Bible I have other sheep of, of my fold that I still need to gather that are not of this fold, meaning they haven't been grafted into Israel or adopted and they're not following Jesus Christ, but they're living natural law. And it's really interesting because there's this guy and his name is, oh, it's Gabriel. And I forget his last name. I'll have to look it up, but he's from one of the African countries. He doesn't speak very good English. His first language is Portuguese. And I have been learning a lot about the fallen angels and the Nephilim because the fallen angels still appear to man. And he was born as a prince in his family's elite bloodline in another country. And a lot of these African occult witch bloodlines that come out of here that are sharing their testimonies of finding Jesus and coming to the truth that they are, you know, leaving these evil practices behind where they've been murdering essentially they're all set up as murderers when they do the, this witchcraft. And he was born as a prince into this bloodline. And he, from his birth, he was raised by fallen angels. They took him to a farm and he was literally raised by them and they taught him all of their ways. And he said when he would get to a certain level of knowledge and understanding, then they would tell him a higher truth, which would undo a lower lie, which means they essentially intentionally 
lie at a certain level and tell you, like he said, one thing that they told me is that we're going to take over God's throne and we're actually going to be successful and we're all going to like have our own kingdom, that there was this other kingdom outside of creator's kingdom that they were trying to establish, which was why, you know, when Lucifer was kicked out, he took these other angels, like we got to start our own kingdom now. And so what, that was one of the lies he says that they told him was that they were trying to establish this other kingdom and that they were going to be successful and that they weren't going to die. And that's one of the lies of Freemasonry too, is immortality. Like we're not going to die. And, and, you know, the Bible actually says we, God didn't intend for us to die. So there is a truth of immortality, but not in sin. Like if you're breaking everybody else's free will and doing abominations, no, you don't get immortality. And that's, you know, where they twist this truth and taint it. And it's like, oh, we're going to live, but we can kill all these people and we can, you know, have incest and molest these children and do blood rituals and eat flesh and human flesh and all these things. And we're going to live and take over and have our own kingdom. And he believed that for a time. And then he said when he advanced to another level, what his training angels taught him, and he saw Lucifer himself a few different times, a different, like when he was five, and I can't remember the different ages that he actually saw him. And he said he looked very different than all the other angels because he had six wings and he was incredibly more beautiful than the other angels. And that's another one of the tricks. They can appear in so many different forms. You know, a lot of people, when you go into different psychedelic ceremonies and when you have your third eye open one way or another and you think you're receiving these visitations, you don't know if that's a light or a dark being. That's why the Bible's so important to understand because it teaches you to test the spirits. We're not supposed to call on angels. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. Like I used to kind of want and desire those things. I don't desire any of that anymore. And if God wants to send me an angel, then I'm going to ask it. Do you serve Jesus Christ or do you serve kingdom of darkness? Because there's only two masters in the spiritual realm and you got to serve one or the other and they can appear in different forms. And so uh, this being of light, the way he described it is like so beautiful. You know, a lot of people that I've listened to talk about how beautiful Lucifer is and he does have, he's the light bearer. He does have light. And he talks about how God, when he gives these angels, these gifts, God doesn't take those gifts from them. That's where there's the final judgment and they will eventually be destroyed. But at this one level, he believed that they were going to all be immortal and that they would live. Then finally he gets to the next level and these fallen angels start telling him, actually, we're all going to die and we're going to all be destroyed. And they know that God's going to destroy them. And the guy asked him, well, why did you, why do they want you to believe that? You know, and it's like, well, at one level, they want you to feel invincible. And so that you'll do anything for them. Then they get to another level and now you're evil enough and you've done so much murder and whatever that they're willing to tell you now, oh, and by the way, yeah, we're all dying, but we got to kill everyone with us, you know? And so there is a deceit, an intentional deceit. And it's really hard to tell the difference because there are angels of light that serve God and there are the fallen angels that serve Lucifer's kingdom. And unless you really know what you're looking for, they can offer you the world, you know, and it can be really tantalizing. And so, so yes, Mormons do believe that they will become gods in the next life. And while I, you know, that was something, the thing that's interesting about Mormonism is because they have a modern prophet, they believe in modern revelation, which means that they can receive continued revelation, which is essentially just their way of saying we can change our doctrine to suit our needs whatever day of the week we need to. And so a lot of these things that a lot of people talk about right now that Mormons believe like Kolob and these planets and there's this really old like cartoon from like the 60s or 70s or 80s that a lot of people have watched. Like a lot of that stuff wasn't 
talked about or taught while I was growing up in Mormonism. And I'm 44. So, you know, this stuff, like, you hardly heard about it. There is a song that we would sing in sacrament meeting called If You Could Hide to Kolob. So they do believe in a planet called Kolob. It's not something they teach that often in their, like, meetings and stuff. But behind the scenes, and a lot of the thing is a lot of Mormons don't even know what they believe and what the original foundational doctrines that started Mormonism, a lot of them don't even understand. If you ask them, they would like deny it. You know, they'd be like, oh, we don't believe in that. But so, yes, there is that teaching. But I'm just saying it's not something that's talked about like frequently, like not something you're seeking like, oh, I'm going to what they're really telling you that you're seeking is eternal life and that there's three different kingdoms on the other side, the celestial, the terrestrial, celestial and the telestial is the lowest terrestrial is the middle celestial is the highest and you want to attain the highest kingdom and that if you don't go to the mormon temple that you can't attain the celestial kingdom sure you can be saved and you can be in the terrestrial or the telestial but telestial is more like the you know this lowest not so much hell per se but just it's really weird It's like a spiritual class hierarchy where you can be a good boy or a good girl and get to the best place at the table in the afterlife. And a lot of religions function with this dogma, unfortunately. But I I think despite that, of course, people will say, well, there's a kernel of truth in all this and the Mormons still believe in the creator from the Bible, right? And so there is that aspect to it. But you know, when we talk about the Mormons as a group, it seems like their actions prove otherwise that, you know, they're not really following God's way because, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you've had a very hard experience and I don't know how familiar you are with this woman. I forget her name at the moment, but her podcast was called like Mormon in the meth head. And she was on Sam Tripoli's podcast a while ago. And her story had to do with leaving the Mormon church, unfortunately falling into drug addiction. And that felt at least from what I listened to in her story, it felt like it was almost encouraged. Like the Mormon, her family was like, well, you're not a part of us anymore. So screw off. We don't care that you're a drug addict. And I wonder, you know, how that, manipulation works to keep people in this control because you know out there in utah and whatnot it could be pretty remote too i mean Mm -hmm. you're not exactly like you know on the east coast where you could just pop over to another state or another town you're kind of isolated out there right yeah yeah and you're raised in such an isolated way and with such a familiarity of your tight-knit like it's when you're mormon it's really awkward to like be with people who aren't Mormon because it is such a weird religion and there is such an elite standard and a religious spirit behind it, you know, that it's awkward. And so it's really hard to leave. And it, especially if you're from a bloodline family and it, it, it's part of it's cultural and intentional. And part of it, it, if you're from a bloodline family and part of it is just learned behavior, you know, for the people who are less assuming and aren't part of these bloodlines and just innocent like victims within Mormonism. And so like with me, with what you're talking about, I can relate to that on a level because what I didn't get to with my story is that I was actually in an arranged marriage unknowingly. And so one of my brother's friends growing up who was in his brotherhood was 
coaxed into marrying me. And this was planned for I don't know how long before because there had been signs of I, I can look back and see now like because they do manipulative suggestions in order to get you to because in Mormonism, the whole plan of salvation is that free will and the whole reason Satan and Jesus fought in the preexistence was that we would have free will and we could come down and choose. And so they want to make it look like they're honoring your free will and that you choose everything when really they're handling and plotting your entire life. And so when me and my ex-husband got divorced, you know, they know that I, the whole reason I was deemed expendable is because they can see into your soul and they, they know, oh, she's going to be loyal to Jesus. She's not going to be able to serve Satan in our kingdom. She's not going to do these things. She's not going to go along with it. She'll fight us. You know, these are the things that their witches and divinators, can, they can read your stars in your spirit when you're a baby. And so they're leery of me my whole life watching me like, when's she going to defect? When's she going to wake up? When's she's going to realize what we're really up to? And so they have all of these precautions along the way to make sure that doesn't happen, you know? So then they marry me to a handler who will make sure he keeps an eye on me and bully me and treat me like crap on purpose because the lower they can keep your vibration and the more oppressed they make you feel, the less you're going to awaken and realize what's going on around you. And so his job was essentially being an asshole to me all of the time, you know, and looking back, I can see it. He never loved me. He was in it for the agreement, you know, and then when you get divorced, then it's like, and I think he'd been wanting and doing sorcery around, like trying to get me to leave for a while because it has to seem like I chose it. Right. So they can't, he can't just say, I want a divorce because how fun is it for a Satanist in a brotherhood who has somebody breathing down his neck all the time that actually loves God, that actually wants to follow Jesus Christ, that actually believes in the Bible when you're in it all just as a cover story. I can't imagine how much he hated being married to me, you know? And so I look back and I can see he was trying to like find a way out through different means and methods manipulatively. So anyways, when I ended up leaving and he wanted to set me up to try to, he was always finding a way to get me, to get my kids from me. He used to tell me all the time, you're, I'm going to have full custody of the kids. You're not going to get full custody of the kids. And even down to like, I ended up cheating on my husband at the end because I ended up getting, this is a really long, weird story that I won't take the time to go into today. I talk about it in a lot of my other podcasts on my channel. If people are interested in hearing that, but I ended up being recruited into this like polyamorous side shoot cult off of Mormonism that they were still pretending to be Mormons, practicing Mormons. A lot of them were still going to the Mormon temple, but they were preaching polygamy again, but polyamory. And the teacher's whole thing was that the reason Joseph Smith wasn't successful with polygamy was because it was one-sided and God's no respecter of persons. So if it's not, the female doesn't have the equal opportunity to take multiple husbands as well, then, you know, and it's spiritual husbandry and it's ugly and it doesn't work. I went into that experience for a reason because I was supposed to learn like why Mormonism was so messed up from the beginning and why polygamy was never a good thing and still isn't. And I was recruited into that weird thing. And I, and then I think it was so shaming when it actually happened to my ex-husband, like he was pissed and then he was just like angry with me. And then he was trying to set me up to get my kids. And so what they did is within the Illuminati, there's a whole branch of it that a lot of people don't talk about 
that I haven't heard a lot of other people talk about that I figured out on my own of Wiccan society. And the Wiccan indigenous society within the Illuminati are witches who go into these healing ceremonies to set you up to seem like they're setting up a healing indigenous ceremony, sound healing, plant medicine ceremony, you know, and essentially what they're doing is they're there to to mess with you and to they call demons in, they call the fallen in, they bring they torment you and then they go, "Oh, you're throwing up for, you know, you're purging your darkness. Really you're being tormented." And so he's my family, I learned down the road that they were connected to a lot of these people who showed up after I left the Mormon church and were recruiting me into these groups, trying to get me to come to different ceremonies because they wanted to try to set me up into something illegal so that he could end up taking my kids away and have something to use in court. But pretending like he didn't know anything, but, and I didn't ever talk to him, but I had friends that were reporting back to him always where I was. And that stuff started playing out and becoming evident of how I was being handled behind the scenes. And that I had friends who were not my friends who were actually helping this all take place. And this happened across, like, we lived in New York City, when here in California where we lived, Utah, and they have anywhere that he lived, all you have to do is go find your brotherhood. In, within the Mormon church, they're all the brotherhood. And so you, if he moves into whatever ward, you've got your 12 Coven families right there who are going to support you no matter what and help you and back you up no matter what. So you have a support system. And then where I live in California, there's also a really large society of, of witchcraft, Freemasonry, the... Iranian Brotherhood? Is that what it's called? Called the, I think it's, I forget. There's a name of it. It's the 14th Hidden Bloodline, Muslim. The 14th Hidden Bloodline, you know how there's the 13 main bloodlines of the Illuminati? There's a 14th Hidden, which is Muslim. Well, come to find out, my ex-husband, he's actually half Iranian, and he supposedly didn't know. And his mom had some random secret, like, five-time fleeing in the middle of a separation with her husband that she ended up conceiving him. And I think it's all a bunch of lies. There's something really shady that happened there. And so for all I know, he could be Muslim Nephilim, you know, like he's, he doesn't talk. He's a mute. Basically. He doesn't communicate with me. He's very cold. And looking back, I realized he's, he, I think he's very psychic, but he doesn't tell you, but there were little things he said here and there, like he was reading me. And so you know, with what you were saying about this woman, like I, I just can totally relate because they flush you down the toilet when if you're done and you walk away, then essentially they're trying to set you up because especially if they're a blood, a Satanist bloodline, if they're a Nephilim bloodline, if they're Freemasons and they understand this information and knowledge to the level that most of them do understand it, they want you to open doors, demonic doors. And so that's why they would like encourage you to do drugs because then you're more programmable. Then the witchcraft takes. Like when I went and showed up at my sister's house, when I went back to pick up my RV after I left for a week and I got back there, the first thing she did, she brought me out weed and mushrooms and tried to get me to use it right then. And I knew that what she was trying to do because she's a witch and she can astral project. She was trying to get me to use those to open up the spiritual realm so she could get in to influence me because they know how to use plant medicine for their witchcraft and sorcery. And so I had quit everything and was using nothing. And I was like, no, take it back. I, you know, don't want this. And I could tell she was bugged that I wouldn't. And so 
you know, getting you into drugs, getting you into even plant medicine and indigenous stuff and sound healing, like sound, they can carry curses and spells through sound. One of the things that I've learned through African witchcraft is that one of the reasons that they use different types of sound is because God travels through sound. And, you know, in the Bible, it says, and the word was with God before anything was even created the word he everything came into creation through the word and that's why the whole music industry is run by the illuminati satanists because that's how they can have such a great influence on people is because they open doors portals through spoken word song word vibrational word and so within the wiccan communities and the indigenous communities there's this these sound healing ceremonies now that are really big And I mean, you think, how damaging could that be? Well, I took my children to a sound healing ceremony with me one time. And there was this one guy now that I realize is totally a deceiver. He's a sorcerer. And he was singing a song in another language. I don't know what it was. Looking back now, it was probably a demonic tongue. And he was always very sought after and wanted to come to these ceremonies. And they would play these instruments. And my children are very spiritually gifted. And my daughter, when she was there, he was singing and she was getting very like sandpaper by it. You know, it was like sandpaper on her soul and she was very put off by it. She was like, mom, what is he singing? I was like, I mean, it sounds beautiful, but it was off putting to her. And I said, I don't know. And she goes, do you even know what those words mean? Do you even like, like she was speaking to my spirit of like, do you even know what he's saying? Cause it doesn't feel good, you know? And then Later, when we were laying down and they were just doing the sound stuff, she got a stomach ache and she felt very sick and she started crying. She wanted to leave. And so there's a lot of these, you know, dark powers within these communities. And so the Mormon community in Utah and then there's southern Utah, which is where all the hippies and the yogis go. So that's where a lot of the Mormons, when they leave, they end up going and joining these yogi and Wiccan new age type communities. And then they're led into magic okay so mainstream main, mainstream christians or sorry mainstream mormons bloodline mormons who are living this cover life on the front who are actually practicing sorcery and magic to control other people's lives and steal their will their stars their destiny to keep them under satanic and demonic oppression they know that a few rungs down from them is white magic is light witchcraft is like a lot of this new age stuff and that stuff all eventually leads into what they're participating in and practicing in and so they recruit into these groups on purpose to keep people within that beast system and so they love to send people off one way or the other you know whether it's street drugs whether it's to wiccan communities whether it's witchcraft whether it's even energy healing you know like when i was in mormonism and that energy healing method that i wrote i went to all of these energy healing conferences that were put on by this mormon woman and i look back and i realize connected to my family's bloodline and a lot of the people that ended up doing a lot of that stuff they were mormon bloodline illuminati families and it's a way if they can make normalize that they can do a little bit of their stuff in the public eye without having to keep it all so hidden you know in the dark of the night or in their secret rituals and so anyway that's that but i don't know if you want me to tell any more of my other part of the story of kind of what happened after wherever i left off yeah, I I didn't realize I interrupted. I'd love for you to continue oh, no, your story. Oh no, we got on a tangent. You didn't yeah, <laughs> I did have another question. If that 
could work. I don't want you to lose your place in the story because I do want no you problem. to continue, but I'm sure you'll remember. When it comes to God's gifts, I'm under the impression that there are mystical things that can happen within God's will. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people might have trouble sort of integrating that concept when we hear so much about the evils of mysticism and occultism, right? So mm -hmm. what about that aspect can we speak to? Because I feel like in order to escape Satan's kingdom, in order to get away from that, you need to call on God for help, right? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And that's something that I spent a lot of years sorting out and experiencing things personally to try to figure out because I for years was teaching spiritual gifts and then it was like I ha I hadn't read the Bible much and then when I go into the Bible and it starts talking about how divination's not okay and I had been seeing channelers and psychics and stuff and and I actually got some really true prophecies really powerful prophecies through channels and psychics and things like that and I had gifts myself and so trying to figure out what's the difference you know because there are spiritual gifts but from different spirits. And so essentially what it comes down to, and that's the reason I love just staying in the Bible. Now I read so many different books over the years and the Bible makes things so much clearer and there's so much more power in the Bible through truth and knowledge and wisdom that can come when you understand that to be able to discern the difference of exactly what you're talking about, because essentially what it is, there's a counterfeit of everything. And a lot of it's the language that we use and the spirit behind it. And so you talk about like a psychic or somebody who has a gift to hear the Holy Spirit. The difference is a psychic is going to be receiving money, being paid for that knowledge and information. They're, what they're hearing from is going to be a familiar spirit, which is forbidden. We're not supposed to talk to the dead or familiar spirits in the Bible. It doesn't come through Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the only spirit we're supposed to hear from is the Holy Spirit. These fallen angels love to mimic the Holy Spirit, which is where you get the kundalini is false Holy Spirit, which is why you see people in Christian churches that are falling out and having these fits and everything, which is a kundalini spirit. Looks very the same if you go into a kundalini yoga session and watch what's happening with them. And that's that serpent that goes up the spine, which is the serpent is always the counterfeit, the one that showed up in the garden. And so Gnosis, the knowledge from the serpent, the Kundalini and the fallen angels, that's going to be always on the counterfeit side. Now, when you come to God's kingdom, you can have something that looks very similar, but in God's kingdom, you don't, Pay, you don't pay for your spiritual gifts. You, you're not going to get charged for knowledge and wisdom and information because then there's a motivation behind it to hear from these spirits, which, which almost always leads to deceit. And channeling is very similar to, you know, I, every morning I wake up and almost every morning I'll have either a dream. And then while I'm writing my dream, then I'll start to doze up back to sleep. And a lot of people would call it like lucid dreaming and that their third eye is open. I don't like to talk about third eye being open with after what I learned about the sodomy rituals and they shatter what happens. And I'm going to just be graphic if, if that's okay, because I think it's important to understand this is when a sodomy ritual happens, especially on an infant or a child and you, they go up and hit the base of the spine that, kundalini energy where those serpents crawl up the spine 
It goes up and it shatters the pineal gland gland open through trauma. And now this child's pineal gland is open and now they can have visions and start receiving gifts and hearing from the dark angels, which like this man this that I told you he was raised by these fallen angels. And I say dark, but they don't look dark. They look light, you know. And so when you shatter the pineal gland open through kundalini energy, through sodomy ritual, through forced, intentional, continual meditation, those are counterfeits of in the Bible, God says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added unto you. And so when you develop a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about religion whatsoever. I think religion's one of the most dangerous things on the earth right now. And I'm talking all of them. I won't get near a brick and a mortar building anymore. The last time I went to a church, I had witches there pretending like they were doing deliverance on me who were actually doing witchcraft on me and are Satanists. And were I was given a vision and shown they were actually of a serpent bloodline. And so, so when I wake up in the morning, you know, I'll have a dream and then I'll have visions while I'm writing. I'll see things. I'll start to doze off and I'll see. And a lot of people, like I said, would call that like a lucid dream or people can start using that for divination. If it's active, then they can go and start trying to use that to give other people information about their own life. Like so occasionally I'll be told to share some of that stuff, but that stuff's for me. I think everybody's supposed to have their own spiritual gifts activated for their own self, not to go out and be some prophet in everybody else's life. Like you have that capability and ability. Why don't you activate your own gifts? You know? And so, so when it comes to these spiritual gifts, I'm not saying like that, that was what I wanted. That was what I was after was the spiritual gifts. But where I got messed up was I hadn't sought that protection and covering by God. And you, if you're not careful, you end up in the wrong kingdom and with the counterfeit and then it's a slippery slope from there. And I played in both unknowingly, you know, I, there's a lot of grace for when you're figuring things out, especially if you're anointed people who are living by natural law and not doing harm to other people. You know, that's the thing that gets really tricky with divination and witchcraft and sorcery and all that stuff is why it's dangerous is because it affects the will of other people. God's law is will. God won't even insert his will into our will. He allows us to choose. So what are you doing? Going doing witchcraft and divination, inserting your will into somebody else's life. And that stuff pisses me off because my whole life was handled by messing with my will. My will was held and stolen from me my whole life and I didn't know it until I got it back. And then it was like, oh, but then my will is also no longer my will because I don't know what to do with my will. I have to be led and directed by God. And that keeps me really safe. And I feel really safe in that space now because there was a season where it kind of, I had to shift over to that because I thought I was trying to get my will back. I wasn't. It says, do the will of the father. And he created me. He created me. And so he knows what I was created for. So once I started doing his will, then it feels really good. Then it's like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then things are flowing in a different way. When I was flowing in new age and flowing in uh, blinded, cultic, hidden, like there's blind witches. In, in a way, I was like being a blind witch, not knowing I wasn't trying to be a witch, but there was little things I was doing. I wasn't trying to harm anybody else. I never intentionally tried to do harm, but I tried to bend God's will. I tried to bend other people's will for what I wanted, but that's backwards. That's counterfeit. And so it really comes to down to what is the intention behind it? And what are you doing with this gift and ability? And who is the spirit behind it? Do you even know who's talking to you when you hear that? Because I've gotten to the point now where when I hear or see or feel 
I'll hear a voice. And if it's a witch talking to me or if it's a demon, I can tell now because I can hear clear enough that their voice sounds different. Where before it was subtle and quiet while I was developing. And so I had to try to figure it out and feel into it because I'm a deep feeler. So for a long time, my gifts were pretty blind and I couldn't really see or hear. I was learning discernment through feeling. And God told me at one point, he, when I was kind of frustrated about it, when I was seeking spiritual gifts, he told me very clearly, he said, to see is to be blind. To feel is to see. So that was really powerful for me because I learned that vision that everybody wants, especially with psychedelics, like plant medicine and stuff. Like everybody's always trying to take enough DMT to like get the vision or see the colors and everything. And it's like, for what? You go get a kaleidoscope and look in it. That's about as much as that's going to serve, you know, to see all that. Because at the end of the day, like your purpose and what you're called here for. There are children being sodomized every day out. There are people being murdered and their organs being eaten and, you know, all this horrific stuff going on. And we're trying to send through DMT so I can like leave my body for a minute and like feel really like that's not what life's about. That's a counterfeit of going into another dimension where you don't know who's there. Well, and I would say a lot of those people are ignorant and misguided and seeking escape from this world that has been run amok by people who are irresponsible with their God-given duties and and embrace Satan instead. I mean, I'm really blown away on how much this is meshing with things that I've found through my experience. And, you know, I'm not an advocate of psychedelics as much as I used to be. But I will say that the few times I've done psychedelics, believe it or not, it's pushed me closer to believing in a creator and God. Yeah. You know, a lot of people might look at this whole conversation and just say, oh, well, this is too much for me. But when you look at the overwhelming number of people who have the same experience of I escaped Mormonism or I had to leave this. My family was a cult. These people were abusing me on a, in a systematic way. It's just, it breaks the heart. And I'm so happy in your case that you're so strong and resilient and not only got over and past this, but now you're speaking against it and, uplifting me in a huge way because this dental health situation is is a big problem in my life and and yeah i think there was a higher order that arranged our conversation today for sure absolutely yeah i'm glad that we could cover some of this stuff and that you could learn some things and i'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story i mean it was a you know, there's so much more to it. If people are interested in really the whole thing, you can go and watch. I have a few other video. I have a channel called Kadosh Life on YouTube and Rumble. And, you know, if people want to hear all the details of what it was really like, but all the things I went through with the government being involved, the losing custody of my kids, you know, the corrupt judges, discovering all of the attorneys are actually Freemasons. All the judges are Freemasons. They're all in part of this cult, you know, and it makes sense. If you think about it, the beast system, they have to place all of their own at the, the, they're all gatekeepers. They have to make sure that if anybody is going to try to get somebody in trouble, report one of their own report, a pedophile report, one of their brother men, you know, like they have to have, gatekeepers every place along the way. And of course you have a few good men in there here and there, but for the most part, what I learned through my whole experience is that the entire systems have infiltrated from the hospitals, from the psych ward, from the cops to the judges, to your own attorney, 
you know, and I dealt with all of that within trying to get out and escape. And they were all part of, you know, able to be infiltrated and controlled to try to keep me from getting where I needed to get in order to be set free, get my children back. And at the end of the day, like God's ways are higher than their ways. And he's more powerful than no any man on the earth. And he helped me get my kids back, set me free from these systems outside of court. The court wasn't going to do anything for me. That judge hated me. I got custody of my kids back. I'm, you know, I even, they even followed me into my work. I started working after 14 years of being a stay at home mom. And I had witches show up at my work. I had Freemason show up and try to, I did. So I was an educator for matrix and I did, I worked at a barber shop. That was the first job I got after I came back to California and was trying to reestablish myself to get custody of my kids back. And my ex-husband had some people help me get that job. I found this out later. And then they had a girl from like two, like an hour away come. She's the one who took me to her church and was doing witchcraft on me, serpent seed. And they infiltrated my work, infiltrated my job. They were trying to set me up to get fired. They sent a guy in who sat in my chair and tried to throw a fit and act like I did a horrible haircut after he was in my chair for three minutes, which is funny because I was an educator for Matrix. And so, and I'm a perfectionist and I just know how to cut hair. I never messed up anybody's hair. Every client that ever sat in my chair said, oh, it's perfect. Give me your card. But they weren't putting me in the system so people couldn't find me. And these... I started catching on. I actually was having dreams and visions about it. And God was just telling me straight up what they were doing to me at work. And when I started figuring out one of my last days there, this guy came in and he, it was so fake. He was the worst actor ever. And he tr- started trying to act like I wasn't giving him his fade right. And that I should have been able to read his mind. And he wouldn't even, I'm also a really thorough communicator. And so I, like my consultation is really important. So, okay, what number do you want? How high do you want your fade to start? Where level, you know, and I'd ask him all these questions. He's like, well, you should just know. And then three seconds in, he jerks away and he rips the thing off and goes to walk out. And I was like, do you think I'm an idiot? Like that was the biggest fake. It was literally three minutes after he'd sat in my chair that this whole thing played out. So I had to quit my job, which by design, because they try to take you out of finances. If you don't have money, you can't do anything. If you don't have money, you can't have housing, you can't have kids. Right. And so you can't get custody of the kids back. So that was always what they were trying to do. I had cops still $50,000 out of my truck. I have it on video. You know, they horrible actors. They're falling apart at the seams. Like their work is falling apart and they're all failing more and more every day. The civil war amongst the brotherhoods is about to play out because they all hate each other. They all serve, you know, a master whose job is to still kill and destroy and they're not going to succeed. And I'm seeing that falling apart. But what I saw was at every level of the system and how infiltrated it was all just because I was a woman who knew their secrets and they didn't want me to talk and they wanted to keep me controlled. And they're so misogynistic and so full of a desire to power to have complete power and control over other humans, which is what Satanism is, you know, stealing the will, destinies and stars of other humans. And so, you know, God redeemed me out of all of that. It took some time. It was the hardest period of my life to go through. It was also the most rewarding because, you know, anybody else out there who's listening, like who's struggling, maybe going through. And the thing is that this isn't unique to Mormonism. This is, Illuminati stuff. This is anybody who's in a bloodline family who tries to escape is going to go through a similar thing in a similar way. Yeah. You mentioned the Catholic church being a part of it. And although 
thankfully my family is, as far as I can tell, not a part of any greater grand Catholic family. I have seen some weird things just being a Catholic and knowing other Catholics and Yeah, there's definitely levels to it. And I wonder how associated like York Rite and the other forms of Freemasonry are to Mormonism, because there's a big Freemason presence here in my home state of Connecticut. And there's surprisingly a huge Mormon church right in the state capital that I had no clue about until I was delivering some packages out there as a delivery driver, my past job. And I was just kind of stunned to drive out of this sort of wooded area and into what seemed like a clearing. And there's this giant, massive Mormon church here. And so I I don't want you to brush through your story too much because I know you're kind of getting to some of the points that happen as you, you know, again... Vic, reign victorious, so to speak. And I'm so happy that you got your kids and you have custody of them. But I would like to have you back on for a part two, and maybe we can go deeper into that, what you just yeah. sort of gave us a brief overview of, and get into some more details. And uh, I really hope anybody listening, especially if you're from a Mormon community, maybe you were raised in some other version of the occult, you know please feel free to get in contact with myself or Sharissa. I hope that's okay for me to say on your behalf, because I think together we can all at least uplift each other and give each other the the confidence to know like you're not in this alone and you you can find a way out. And yeah, Sharissa, you really inspired me a ton today. I appreciate it. Thanks. Good. Good. Thank you. I get a lot of emails from people from all Mormonism and other branches of the Illuminati who, or even people who don't know for sure, they just resonate with the experiences that I had and start to realize I'm being handled, you know, because when you're under MK ultra or a, a magic spell over your mind, you don't, you can't see what's happening all around you. And that's why I know that my experience was divine and that I was given power to overcome so that I could help others. And I've written a book called, I, I can't even remember the name. It's kind of a long name. I just call it my warfare handbook and it's a spiritual warfare handbook, but it's essentially, it's based on biblical principles, but it's essentially how to get out from under the beast system. It's how to get out from under the government. It's how to get out from under the lucid spells of the music industry, of the the seven mountains of culture, all of the seven mountains of culture that all of us can't avoid all day, every day, media and all of that. The influence of all of those things that are owned by the beast system that keep us in some level of programming. It's renunciation of all of that. And those things, though, we're born under curses. They take our birthright when we're born. Our birth certificate is literally makes you a straw man. And now you're an empty vessel and they can fill you with whatever spirit they want. And try. That's why we're all slaves to the system, work in the nine to five, you know, all of that stuff. These things are all covenant curses just by being born because Satan is deemed in the Bible as the God of this world. And so in order to get out from under that control, whether it's from generational curses of Freemasonry, of, you know, like you said, York right, my family was Scottish right, which is, I believe, one of the highest powers in Freemasonry, one of the darkest. There's so many different types of brotherhoods, even down to, I've discovered some other ones that I had no idea that are 
brotherhoods that are more just like witchcraft and like orgy type cults. But those are the union brotherhoods, like the Electrical Workers Association. That's a brotherhood. And these people are part of this beast system. So there's so many different aspects. And my book, it goes into the details. I was given a vision and shown all the different aspects of the Nephilim and how they've downsized and how they're hidden and the different attributes that they have and how to recognize them through their physical features because Mormons are huge inbred Nephilim hybrid seeds all over in Mormonism. So all of those are in my book. Um, And then all the renunciation prayers, my sovereignty prayer that I wrote that broke all of that off of me is in there. And it's only like 80 something pages. There's a whole bunch of links at the end that if you, I've had people call me and go, oh my God, I was born with a sixth finger. Like I'm I'm Nephilim hybrid. Am I evil, wicked? You know, and it's like, no, but you do have a curse on your bloodline because like part of you is illegal. Like you're not, I shouldn't say you're not supposed to be here, but they weren't supposed to come down. And that sixth fear is a marker of that. And so there's gen- generational curses on that bloodline that need to be broken. So all of that is in my handbook. So people can, you know, reach out to me and I, I it's free. I just email it to people. I, I haven't had time to publish it. It's just a digital handbook. And so if people are interested in that, I can email you that. You can email me attorney at yaw. That's attorney, A-T-Y-A-H at gmail.com. And I'll just email it over to you. And that's has a lot of good information in it. And my Instagram is attorney at yaw. And my YouTube channel is Kadosh Life. And so, you know, people can watch more of my story there, but we can definitely do a part two. That'll be great. Thank you. Yeah. And I would love to link all of that in the description. So folks listening, they can go directly over to your channel, send you an email if they'd like. And I would love to do a part two after I get a copy of that and look over it, maybe send it to Sam. Uh, I'm sure Sam would love to talk to you. I don't, you mentioned Sam before, but maybe this wasn't clear. I work for Sam as a booker, so I would love to schedule you to be on his show and talk about all this he's recently i'll say leaned further into christianity and he started reading the bible which i think is really it's shown a a difference in the way he talks about certain things like he seems a little more positive and less self-deprecating which i like yeah that's amazing i watched your i think it's your most recent episode with him him talking about his kids and stuff and lee I don't know that he left comedy, but just talking about kind of the transition over to some different stuff and Mm. fascinating. He's very interesting. And I love his story of kind of that rebirth. And I love to talk to him. He's uh, an interesting person. And I love, I just love seeing those. I've been through so many different rebirths in my life and, you know, you grow and you're always a new creation and going through these different lessons and phases of life. And it's so fascinating. I love seeing people, you know, go through, that growth so yeah yeah i'm on my own path as well i i think you know the catholic church sort of dispelled me <laughs> like i was there and i didn't understand what was going on i saw bloody jesus up in the you know almost like a like it, they were trying to carry out the sacrifice as long as possible and yeah. just like rub it in our face and i just always felt like it was dramatic and like you know, I wasn't learning anything from it. And unfortunately that pushed me into atheism and then cannabis kind of brought me into this realization that no, God is 
actually here. You mm-hmm. never, you've never not known God. He's always been here. And yeah, that to me was sort of like a big change in my own life 10, 12 years ago. And here I am now still sort of integrating that message. So I'm, I'm going slowly, awesome. but yeah. Teresa, I really do. I do feel like a lot of this was for lack of a better word, meant to be, right? With yeah. especially, and you know, not that before what you're saying wasn't clicking, but when you told me about the dental health thing, it was like, whoa, how does she know that I have this problem? Like, we didn't talk about this at all. And it's just, I, you know, I feel like God does that, you know, yeah. said little winks here and there. And like, I, ha- I haven't talked about it in any of my other interviews. And so that's definitely, I feel I, he just, is so good that way. And that's why I love the change that I've come to because that's what he does with me is he just puts these things on my heart to say, and I have no idea. And it really blesses people. And it's like really nothing. He's the one that told me about it and led me to it. And then it helps other people. And I don't take any credit for it, but I love how he works like that. And, you know, I love seeing people just grow into these realizations and there's so much power in these different levels of ascension and it's so exciting to see people go through it. But yeah, I, well, and it's interesting too, because you and I, you had, you were actually the first person who asked me to be on your show after everything happened. I don't know. You said one of your, maybe it was the second then because you said one of your, somebody who listens to your show told you about me. So they must've heard about me from somewhere else, unless they saw my, they might've seen your Instagram. channel because they, I think they linked your Instagram. To oh, me. okay. So they must've yeah, seen your video. I think you were the first, I think it was you and Emma had messaged me and it has been several months. And then all of a sudden you came back and said, Oh, I never saw your email. Cause I did email you back. And you know, I was looking forward to talking with you months and months ago. It might've even been almost a year ago. I can't remember how long it's been, but so, you know, he does that too. Like timing always is a thing. So it happened when it was supposed to. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. Cause you're absolutely right. And something in me a, a couple of weeks ago was like, you definitely invited people onto your podcast that you never, like I do that where my memory just slips and there's people who I'm supposed to talk to. And it, so I'm glad, yeah, this was certainly meant to be. And yeah, Teresa, this is awesome. Thank you so much for, for yeah, spending the time so. and my audience, you know, I always tell them to immerse themselves in the moment, wherever they are in the now, but today I think I'm going to change it up and I'm going to say, go and check out Teresa's work because it struck me so brilliantly and i think it will for you too so do that and uh, be blessed All right, and that was our interview with Teresa Atya. Definitely one of the darker uh, subjects that we've covered on the show. I apologize if this brought up any trauma for you. Uh, It is definitely a subject that I do not take lightly and do not want to make light of. So, yeah, much respect to Teresa for being brave, sharing her story. Hopefully this helps you if you're listening and you've undergone or experience any of this these types of circumstances but uh, if you want to listen to the entire conversation 
the portion that I cut out, Teresa and I talked a little bit about cannabis and psychedelics and how she was called to do cannabis. And then eventually uh, she was given the message that she had uh, reached the end of the road with her relationship with cannabis, which I found really interesting. Uh, maybe I'll reach that point at some point in my life. Uh, but as of now, I'm still smoking. And I just moved into a new apartment, so I could use all the support I can get right now, folks. I'm in the process as we, as I speak, of moving all my stuff. The last thing to go is my laptop and my sound equipment, so I'll be bringing that up to the apartment today. I thought I was going to be doing it yesterday, but I could use all the support I can get, whether it's just a one-time donation or if you sign up on Patreon or Substack to hear the entire conversation with Teresa and I. Plus, um, the past 20 or so episodes, I've been doing that where you get an extended uh, addition to the episode, and there are dozens and dozens of bonus episodes that I've done all available for you if you sign up to support the show. So don't miss out. Support your favorite podcast today. And go and support Teresa. She has a YouTube channel that I will link in the description. And until next time, folks, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. MFTIC. Yeah. Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface. They want you confused like you never knew your purpose. Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine. My family thinks I'm crazy. I can't believe what I've seen. Memories of a war, the Pleiadians and Anunnaki stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body. DNA fractal, the universe within me. Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati. Puppet masters know the power of the mantra. Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on you. Subliminal messages hijacking. Perception tricking the population with holographic projections. We see through it. The system is unraveling. I'm astral traveling through the library of the Vatican on a sacred journey. I embark with the squad for rough spitting truth like Mark on the pod. Gotta know the facts, never hold back. Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap. I dissect the fabric of reality, looking for the answers, searching through the galaxy. You might be feeling stressed out. Depression, anxiety, is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade I awoke in a deep underground military base Zero recollection of how I got to this place Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders Must have been extracted when they crashed into us Animal hybrids contained in the cages a lion with the eagle head Monkeys with reptilian bases Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit All of a sudden the wall flickers away Revealing a hangar full of spacecraft My getaway I run to the nearest one See a guard knock him out Robin Fulber's plasma gun Hop in the ship Take the controls They highly intuitive I figure it out easily Lift off Accelerate through a tunnel Until I see the light Fly into the sky Get flanked by six F-35 Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade <laughs>